Okay, so before I really get into what I'm teaching, the title and the outcomes, I kind of wanted to go over how this all came about, kind of like a backstory. I thought it would be helpful to y'all. Um, so Friday after we got done talking about kind of what we learned from the teaching, um, I went up and I spoke and teacher kind of said to profit issues like I want Adriana to teach. And then that following Tuesday, I came up for intercessory prayer. I mean, she had called me like one or two days after and she was like, yeah, like you're going to teach one of these Fridays real soon. And I was like, okay, good, good. Um, and so immediately I really went into prayer because I was like, I want this to be something that everyone can find themselves in. I want it to be something that you can take something from and really apply it to your walk that you're not going to just forget it when I, after I say it in these 15 minutes. So I was really asking Holy Spirit, I was like, what do the people need during this time? You know, it's not something that I think everyone needs. It's something that y'all actually need. And I heard the word prayer. That was it. That was all I had. And I was like, prayer. I was like, we've been taught on prayer so much. What exactly do you need me to say to the people? So I really began to ask Holy Spirit. I was like, why is it that with believers is prayer something so easily left out of our walk like it's something in the word we're told to do but we look over it so easily and then for some of us it's even a foreign concept when we're asked to pray it's something that we can't even wrap our minds around I was like why is that you know it's a part of our walk it's something we're called to do so the title of this teaching is the weakening of our prayer life the body's chosen path of worldly comfort over kingdom advancement um, and the learning outcomes for it to properly acknowledge how your internal dialogue is causing your prayer life to struggle, along with how to use the word to develop the type of relationship that Christ originally intended for us to have. So the whole point of this teaching is I really wanted you guys to kind of see how our actions and our words aren't really aligning in our relationship. Um, and when it comes to being a follower of Christ, how our ability to pray directly shows our level of intimacy. So meaning to be a believer and to desire a strong prayer life, you have to strive for a certain level of intimacy. So quick little fun fact, side note, as Pastor would like to say, I really wanted to see how in other religions, how much value they ascribe to prayer. Because in Christianity, it's not... It's like I remember talking to people that claim to be believers and they couldn't even like bless the food in front of people. So I was kind of like, why, you know, so quick little fun fact. We always know Muslims pray five times a day. That's something we use to compare our walk to them, because for some of us, we're like five times. I couldn't even imagine doing that. Um, Hindus worship two to three times a day to their God. Buddhists worship their God three to four times a day. And then some Jews worship three times a day. Now, when I say two to three, three to four, two and three are the minimum. That's something they do. They don't, there is no, uh, maybe one this day. That That's the standard. Like you can go above, but you can't go below this. Um, and so again, I was asking Holy Spirit, why have believers, have we found comfort in such a dangerous position in this relationship that we're supposed to have with God. And also I asked, I asked Holy Spirit, I was like, give me a statement of what it sounds like when we refuse to pray, when we diminish its ability in our life. Tell me like how it really sounds to you. Basically what I heard is 
Lord, I know that prayer is my form of communication in this relationship with you, a relationship that brings restoration, peace, joy, strength, stamina, and eternal salvation. But temporary pleasure, worldly comfort, laziness, and selfishness sound much more rewarding in my life currently. And I was like, it's like that that's rough. That choked me up a little bit. So the reason we found comfort in being in such a dangerous position in this walk is it's because we've created this idea that our freedom and free will has made us self-sufficient in this walk we're supposed to have. So in case y'all don't know, I'm kind of big on definitions. Self-sufficient is the ability to supply your own needs without external assistance. So I really asked, I was like, well, what does that look like day to day in our daily life? Um, we began to undermine God's working in our lives because everyday things we begin to assume we make happen. Examples, we made it home safely from work because we're good drivers. We didn't get sick because we took our vitamins. Um, we've gotten too comfortable claiming victories in different aspects of our lives that would not be possible without Christ. It's not a true reality that we're not our own sustainer on this world. And that's when you hear the intercessors pray um, on Tuesday night, that's something that we all have in common. You know, we all make it a point at the beginning, like, thank you, Lord, for being our sustainer, our provider, our healer, because it's a reality to all of us that we are not those things to ourselves. We're not here on this earth because we made it happen. We're not living to see another day because it's something we did and we acknowledge the Father for that. Um, our freedom and free will allows us to get closer to Christ. And people have begun to twist that to believe that you have some form of control over your relationship with Christ, which is just simply not true. And we all know that. Um, once you make a decision to follow Christ, you give up really what you have and what you desire for what Christ wants you to do. You had the choice to step into this relationship, but you do not then have the choice to run the relationship. Because at the end of the day, your salvation, your Christianity, it's not, it was a choice. It's not something that anyone forced upon you. It's not something that, you know, you came out of the womb and you had to do, like you had no choice. So if it in fact was a choice, why would you only go halfway or half hard with it? You know, and it goes back to that's not how we treat our earthly relationships that we want to last. You know, we make a friendship. We want it to last. We don't sometimes communicate with them. We don't sometimes interact with them. We know what it takes for a relationship to last. So we choose that path. And for some of us, that's just not the same when it comes with our walk with God. So the scripture I use to kind of back up when I was talking about how our free will makes us believe we have a choice and control over our relationship um, is Galatians 5.13. And it reads, for you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. But through love, you should serve one another. Basically, what I took away from this scripture is our freedom and free will should always draw us back to a place with Christ because when we're walking outside of our relationship with him, 
our default is our sin nature. That's what you have to go off of. So choices made outside of Christ are always going to be the choices that your sin nature desires. Um, and like teacher always says, the decision that you make, you might think is good for that moment of time, but Christ knows what's best. And the fact that we know that there is a being, the creator of the universe that knows the best decision for us, and we still blatantly go to the choice that we think is good, says says something about you. I, I would want the decision that's best, that'll last the longest, that'll sustain me. Okay, and our perspective with our relationship with Christ is all wrong. Pastor always talks about wrong perspective, wrong interpretation. Um, our ability to communicate, which is prayer, to God is a direct reflection of our relationship and intimacy with him. So again, I began to ask Holy Spirit, um, why was our view of our relationship with Christ kind of being distorted? Um, and it began to be distorted when we are trying to fit Christ into our relationship and make him seem as though he's a daily task. We assume that we can place him in one little bubble, come back to him, go back and forth, when in reality, our relationship with God is a lifestyle, meaning that prayer and study are things that we should be doing regularly. When you live a specific lifestyle, it's not something that you participate in once in a while. It's literally how you live. It's how you conduct yourself. For example, if you go up to someone and you're like, I'm a diehard like vegan, like veganism is my life. That's what I am. Monday through Thursday, you know, you decide to be a vegan. And then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you eat animal products. That cancels out your statement about being a hardcore vegan. So it's the same with our relationship with Christ. You don't pick and choose certain days and certain people that you show your relationship with him towards. And then, you know, Saturday rolls around and you're like, mm, you know, maybe I'll come back to him. Maybe, maybe I'll be participating in the relationship later. Um, prayer really forces us to acknowledge that there is something that we need that we cannot get on our own, whether it be answers, healing, comfort, or just to talk with the Father. It reinforces our dependency on Christ, and it causes us to come out of our pride and selfishness, which is something that people just simply do not want to do. When you, the bottom line is when you refuse to pray or you do not see the importance of it, you are choosing yourself over God. That is what you're saying. I want me instead of you, and that's just how I'm going to live. As we begin to pray more and more, we realize how dependent we really are on God, and that's when the transformation takes place. Just like how children are dependent on parents, you act a certain way because you acknowledge your dependency. I'm not gonna walk around acting crazy and reckless because I recognize that I am dependent on my parents to not be homeless. So, you know, that that's just how it is. You, you need them, so you're not going to mistreat them. Um, and what it boils down to is some of us just have to really admit that we don't want that type of change. We only desire the change when it requires minimal work and when it's done exactly how we believe it should be done. Um, and that's just not how the Lord operates. He's not an employee and you're the boss. That's not how your dynamic works. Um, 
the scripture I use for that is James 4.3. And all of these are in the Amplified Classic Version, in case you're wondering. Um, and it reads, or do you ask God for them and yet fail to receive because you ask with wrong purpose and evil selfish motives? Your intention is when you get what you desire to spend it on sensual pleasures. When you ask Christ for things in your life, your motive for them should be correct. And also something I wrote here kind of on the side is that God is still good and worthy to be praised, even if he doesn't meet our earthly and selfish expectations of him. You know, just because his answer was no and you desired a yes, that does not then mean that it's his flaw. You know, that's on him. That's not what it's about. It should have that that's on you. You expected something that you thought was good and he knows what's best. That's just what it boils down to. Um, And these next few points that I'm going to list are kind of um, excuses that we give or things that we think internally that cause our prayer life to kind of dwindle. Okay, so some of us have adopted the idea that prayer is just us talking and Christ listening. We do not go in expecting an answer. We use prayer just as a dumping ground for our worldly problems. And then we go around and we claim that Christ has not answered us when in reality we were not going in expecting an answer. You know, how do you, if you're not expecting him to answer you, do you think you're then going to prepare yourself to be able to receive an answer in any way, shape, or form it's coming in? If you're constantly praying, going before the Lord, and you genuinely say, I've never received an answer, that's something on your end. That's not something on God's end. He always hears us. So you should really reevaluate why you're not receiving answers. Um, oh gosh okay and I have two scriptures for this I'll just read the first one but I'll give y'all both the first one is Matthew 21 22 and it reads and whatever you ask for in prayer having faith and really believing you will receive you have to go in with the mindset of he's going to hear me and I'm going to receive an answer um, that's something that all of the intercessors that you see praying a lot during Tuesday, that's something they've all taken a hold of. They know they're going to get an answer. It doesn't matter if it comes instantly for them. They know it's going to be there. Just like Miss Star, we use a lot of the times, you know, praying for Mr. Ephraim, her man of God, to come. It took her years and her faith didn't dwindle. She never thought, mm, my answer is never going to come. It wasn't her praying did not depend on how fast the answer came. It depended on, she had faith in the Lord. She knew the answer was coming and she prayed until that answer came. Um, And the second scripture for that, I'm not going to read the second one, um, but it's Jeremiah 33, three, if y'all wanted that one. Okay. And some of us only pray because we see it as a religious obligation. We use prayer as a type of safety net for things that might happen. What if this happens? For example, you only pray before you travel because what happens if you get in an accident? You pray before you go to the doctors because what if, you know, you end up sick? Um, These are all scenarios that you should pray in, but the problem comes in when that's the only time that you pray. 
you don't get to pick and choose when to be an active participant in your relationship with the Lord because Christ didn't pick and choose what he would do to offer us salvation. So you can't pick and choose what you do to receive it. That's not, he wasn't like, "Mm, I don't think I'm going to go to the cross. I think I'm going to do it another way. Hopefully they'll figure it out somehow. That's not how it went. He followed what he needed to do to a T. So it's not outrageous that he's asking us if you're going to be a believer of me, you know, actually do it day to day, moment to moment. Um, And then some of us pray and believe that we are in right standing with the Father because we're trying to better our relationship with him while letting our earthly relationships fail and crumble. Like pastor and teacher always talk about, love affects every area of our life, including our prayer lives. You can't be in right standing with God and then not with man, and it can't be vice versa. And the scripture for that, that I use, obviously in the love chapter, it talks about that. But then also 1 Peter 4, 7, 8 through 7. And it reads, but the end and culmination of all things has now come near. Keep sound-minded and self-restrained and alert, therefore, for the practice of prayer. Above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins, forgiveness and disregards the offense of others. So in this verse, it's really reminding us that a sound mind, self-restraint, and love for man and God are really what's going to push our relationship with him even further. So prayer exposes, like we've all been taught many a times, but in all honesty, some of us would rather risk our relationship with Christ and our eternal destination than actually acknowledge the things that we're holding onto so tightly that need to be let go. You you just really have to be honest with yourself on that one. You know, if there's this thing, we've all had it at some point you struggle with this one thing and you're like man I really wish this would leave if I could stop doing this one thing my relationship with Christ would be so good and we make it seem like it's this complex like rocket science decision when in actuality you can change it it's not something that you're unable to do if you can sit here and say X, Y, and Z is keeping my relationship with Christ at a surface level. You can change X, Y, and Z and go deeper. It's not, there isn't really, it's just a choice, like pastor and teacher always say. And the scripture for that, I'm not going to read this whole thing. It's very, very long, Um, but it's Colossians 3, 5 through 10. Um, And in the scripture, it's basically talking about how we should really forsake the things such as like anger and rage and bad feelings towards one another um, and really take on our new life as a spiritual being. Just a quick little rundown of what that says. Um, For some of us, we believe that going a couple days or weeks without prayer is all right because at the end of the day, we still believe in God and we're still Christians. Your Christianity is not a part-time job. It's not something that you do certain days of the week and then you get a break and then you come back and you're like, yes, that break was fantastic. No, that's not, that's not what it is. Um, And the scripture for that, I have a a scripture for almost every one of these points, um, but the scripture for that is 1 Thessalonians 
5, 16 through 18. And I am going to read this one. And it says, be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad hearted continuously always. Be unceasing in your prayer, praying perseveringly. Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstance may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ and the revealer, the mediator of all that will. This verse is really breaking down how for us as believers, prayer is not an action that we do sometimes. It's not, you know, a hobby. It's not, like I said, a part-time job. Um, it's something that you're just supposed to do. And something that I thought of when I was thinking of this, how sometimes it's easy for us to go days or weeks without prayer, as I was like, how many of us can genuinely give up natural things for the amount of time that we give up prayer? Be, be completely honest with yourself on that one. Can you go several days or weeks without food? Can you go several weeks or days without brushing your teeth, without showering, without doing these things? And the answer is these things to us are considered necessities. You couldn't imagine a day when you don't brush your teeth, a day where you don't eat, a day where you don't shower. Like you could not imagine functioning as a whole human without these things. So why is it as a believer, we've been able to function as a full believer without doing these things in our daily life? Um, and the second scripture I have for that one is Colossians 4.2, and it's a real short one, so I'm going to read it. Be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life, being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. So both of these scriptures are saying you, you don't get a day off. And also, if you're a true believer, your faith should not feel like a job. It shouldn't feel like something that you need a day off from. You know, whenever we talk about vacations or days off, it's from something that's tiring to us. So then ask yourself, why is this tiring to us? Why is this something that we can't seem to go 24-7 with? Okay. And then for some of us, prayer is only a time when we bring our troubles and worries to God, but it's not a time to petition for other people. And we talked about this in our intercessory prayer meeting before Tuesday a while ago. I think Whitney brought it up. Um, and we were just talking about how some of us have genuinely forgotten the prayers that went up on our behalf to get us to where we are now. Christ created us to exist in these communities. He created us to join together with other believers, not to walk alone, to be solo people. And this is also something I was thinking about the Tuesday before I prayed, where I was asking everyone, I was like, really, where is your fight? Because... I'm looking around me and I'm noticing that a lot of people who claim to be Christians have turned their Christianity into some individual, like selfish thing. Like, oh, I go to God for what I need. You can go to him for what you need. But this is my time. That's not that's not what it is. You know, we should be going to Christ for one another. And if you can go back and really look at what you prayed, whether this week, I don't know y'all's prayer, prayer life, prayer schedule, but if you can go back and you can kind of replay in your mind what you prayed for, if you notice a continual pattern of, 
Lord, deliver me from this. Lord, help me with this. Lord, please give me this. You should re-examine your prayer life. If there is nothing that you can see that other people need, there's nothing that you have to say on behalf of someone else, ask yourself, why aren't you observing those around you? It's not, it's not something that's super perplexed. You don't need to, you know, go investigate someone and find out every area of their life and what they're struggling with. Some people, it's obvious and it can be just as simple. Lord, give so-and-so strength to go throughout the day. They're really on my heart. It's not anything that's like, I need to know the status of your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your finances. It's all of that. It's not, you don't have to know all that to be able to pray for someone properly. Um, and the scripture for this, not going to read this one, y'all can read it on your own, is James 5, 16. And then for some of us, prayer loses value when it's not done in public and acknowledged publicly. Bottom line, you should not expect a public position and praise without private work and dedication. On Tuesday, when you see those on the intercessory team praying and then you see pastor and teacher talking about, wow, that was a good prayer. What we pray on Tuesday in front of the people is a direct reflection of how we pray in private. It's not, you can't lack in your private life with God and then be able to come up and it reflect properly in front of people. Also, if you're having trouble praying to him alone when no one else is listening but you and him, why would you then think that you're going to be able to be successful in front of other people? If it's not practiced and constantly trying to be perfected on your own, you're not then going to be, it's just like with sports, we practice. So on game day, we can then perform properly so we can win. If you decided to skip every practice there was, never played the sport before, why would you then go out and assume your team is going to be great? That's not how it works. I think a lot of times we look at those and those who pray on Tuesday and we're like, wow, I really wish like I could come up in front of the people and say what I needed to say, really get the acknowledgement that I needed. But what we should be saying is, wow, I really want to strive for a better personal relationship so then I can be fit and worthy of the position to go before the people and pray. Because it's not something that, it's not a light matter. And that's something that even I'm understanding more and more as I live with an intercessor, she's my mom. Um, I'm learning more and more. It's not It's not a light, a light thing. There have been many a times when you know, it's right before Tuesday and I see her and it's just pure exhaustion. I see Miss Star and she's just like, oh my gosh, like everything is happening right now. It's not a light task to prepare yourself to go in before the people. If you're not built up and ready for it, you're not going to be successful in it. Um, and then for some of us, we cannot imagine praying in front of people because we get nervous or we're anxious or we're fearful. And this was me for a while. When I was younger, pastor and teacher both saw that intercession was in me. So, you know, at a younger age, I was kind of thrown up there and I was like, 
you know, I think I'm going to sit this one out. And it wasn't, it wasn't because the Lord didn't give me anything to say. It was because I was nervous. So I decided that I wasn't going to say what the Lord wanted me to say because it was more focused on kind of how I was feeling in that moment. And for that scripture, it's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And it says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. That was just verse 6. And then verse 7, and God's peace shall be yours, and the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall sorry, my phone, shall garrison, I'm not Minister Al, so I might not be that great at reading, and mount guard over your heart and minds in Christ. And what I really wrote is you shouldn't really be fearful to get in front of people when it comes to prayer because your relationship in private will shine through in public when you get in front of people. So if you know that your relationship with the Lord is real, real tight in your prayer life in private. It shouldn't, you shouldn't be scared to get in front of people. It will be known that you have a relationship with him. Um, don't let your fear and anxiety be the very thing that's blocking you from receiving the peace and opportunity that Christ has for you. So don't let your fear or your worry of not sounding like other people stop you from praying because prayer can bring on that peace it literally says don't be afraid of anything but in everything pray um okay and then this is the last last point coming to a close um some of us are too focused on trying to recreate someone else's relationship with god that we neglect to properly cultivate our own what happens when you do that is you begin to really miss the working of Christ in your own life because your attention is directed towards someone else's. Many of us in our prayer life believe that we're inadequate because we don't sound like someone else who is praying. And the reason you're feeling that way and the reason why it's not sounding the exact thing, the exact same is because we have to realize that that person went through certain situations and experiences that brought them to that place in their relationship with Christ. Um, an example, me and my mom, we're both intercessors. Don't know if y'all can tell, but we're both, we both kind of have our own style when we come up on Tuesday. I'm like crying. Any makeup I had on is on the floor by then, crying from the jump mom's like rocking back and forth like telling you where you messed up how to fix it quickly i come from a place and teacher said this tuesday of mercy petitioning god for mercy for the people allow them to really see where they messed up and give them another chance to fix it mom comes from a place of warfare she's like get it fixed get it fixed quick into the battle put on your armor let's go round them up come on that's where she comes from if i was so focused on trying to sound like my mom in my relationship, I would have completely missed that that's not even where I'm supposed to be coming from. And it would have been obvious that I'm trying to recreate someone else's relationship 
And it will all, it's always going to fail when you try to do that because you're not going to have the same experiences. It's not going to be the same reality to you. You're not going to have the same things to learn as the other person. My mom went through things in her life that I, could, could not be me, to say the least. It could not have been me. I went through very different things than she did. Both of the things that happened in our lives brought us to different points to serve different functions in the body. We're both intercessors, but we both have different areas that God needs from us on behalf of the people. If you're so focused on trying to mimic someone else's, yours is over here and it can never grow. The Lord's like, listen, hey, I have something that I need you to learn. And when you learn this thing, your prayer life is going to be great. And you're over here trying to figure out how to sound and act and do exactly like this other person. Meanwhile, the Lord's like, yeah, I'm over here. Like everything you need is right here. It's not where you are right now. And I promise you, when you decide that you want to cultivate your own relationship, you begin to really see God in a new way. It's different. Everyone, we're all believers. We all follow Christ, but we've all experienced God through different things. And that's what makes our relationship with him so personal and so different. You know, really earthly simple example. My brother and I have different relationships with our parents. Doesn't mean that one of us loves them any more or less. Doesn't mean we don't care for them. It's how we express ourselves. It's how we know them. It's how we interact with them. If we can comprehend that on an earthly surface level, we should be able to comprehend that God wants a different relationship from each one of us. He wants to get to know us, not what we think is right, what we think he'll want to hear. No, he wants us to come as we are. And then he, he not us, he will build on that. He can't build on something that's not even yours, that's false, that's inaccurate, that's not even supposed to be there. Um, and in conclusion, I'm wrapping up, I'm, I'm done. Um, I have just really listed some common reasons why our prayer lives are not where they actually should be. And the point I was making is, that whatever your reason is, whatever your excuse is, whatever you think is going on in your life, you can always find yourself in scripture. You can always find the answer in scripture. I simply was getting these points and then went to the word and I found the answer I needed. Um, and that Christ calls us to constantly pray. And so that was kind of my conclusion oh let me get my last couple i had a couple sentences i want to throw in um there is truly no excuse for us to not walk in the power and authority christ wants to give us at the end of the day we must decide if our temporary world desires are worth giving up an eternal relationship with god he provides the answers to all of our questions we just have to submit and trust and wait on the answers they'll come they're there he promises he'll answer us but we have to be 
willing and able to even receive them when they come. That doesn't make much sense if you're going to someone for an answer and you're not even prepared to receive any type of answer. You're just going and you're like, mm, maybe they'll give me an answer. Hopefully it'll come. No, you have to prepare yourself for when the answer comes, because in all honesty, the answer that Christ gives you for your life could be something completely different than what you thought it should be. And so you really have to be built up and ready to receive that answer so that you can walk it out fully so that you're not struggling, you're not stumbling. It's not something that seems super hard and tedious for you to do. Um, that's it. I hope y'all enjoyed. Um, I can't really, I'm like the main person on my screens. So I can't really see any of y'all. I can barely just see the chat going up and down. I can't really see faces. Um, but thank you for letting me talk to you for a little bit. I hope y'all oh. and could find yourself in it somewhere in some way, shape or form. And thank yeah. you, passionate teacher, for letting me teach.